Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us on Twitter at TheLinesUS, Twitter slash X. You can follow Mo on Twitter at MoNoir2Ws. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. We're breaking down some early Week 16 line movement. And Mo, as we get into how our Week 15 went on the year for us, 35-19 and 19 overall, 2-2 two and two with our plays from Thursday's edition of Beat the Closing Number and that 35 and 19, of course, with spreads and totals. How did week 15 go for you individually? Uh, pretty horrible on sides. Pretty much a disaster. I did good on totals, though. Should have done better, but I got skunked pretty hard on that uh, that Browns-Bears total. Uh, I think that was pretty unlucky to push on that one. I, I fired that one late because... I didn't get on it early, and then the weather report was pretty bad in the morning. So I fired it at 37. Um, could have got a better number in the middle of the week, like 38 and a half, I think. But still feel like that should have gone under pretty easily. There was a pick six, uh, just a couple uh, disaster plays, and ended up pushing. But could have lost if, if dude could hold on to the, uh, the Hail Mary. But yeah. Totals went well for me. Uh, unfortunately for you, I was on the other side. I ended up firing the other side of you on that Packers game. I, I really did like the the over there. And that, that one, I mean, I, I definitely expected some points, but career day from Baker Mayfield was not on the bingo card over here. So, uh, yeah, that was one of my winners. But, yeah, sides went pretty bad. Jaguars, that was pretty pretty brutal one to to watch <laughs> it was left about 20 points on the field so it happens you know yeah Lamar outplayed Lawrence but going back to that Jags game for a second four drives I think inside the Ravens 40 yard line in the first half coming up with zero points overall is unheard of first time it happened in Jacksonville history probably one of the only times it's happened in NFL history and I had Jacksonville live. I took him plus six, so that didn't hit. You mentioned the Packers bucks under for me. I didn't get the a little bit of movement because of the weather. I think on Sunday morning it got bumped down from 42 and a half to 41 and a half. All the injuries, though, I at least anticipated a little bit of positivity in that regard, and it didn't happen. So I kind of disagreed with the total shifting down. I wasn't gonna buy out of it just because I still like the script. And like you said, Baker Mayfield absolutely trounced that Packers secondary and a zone defense that historically he struggled with zones, but Joe Barry's defenses obviously provide a little bit of comfort for any quarterback. And we'll get into the bucks when we touch on Jaguars bucks in a bit with some of the week 16 line movement, but some of the other games I fired on bears plus three and a half. So going back to your point on bears Browns, Robert Tanya and also dropped a wide open touchdown or at least a huge gate in the first quarter of the first half. So you probably got a bit fortunate on that. But like you said, two picks that set the Bears up either inside the Browns 10-yard line or a touchdown flat out to begin the second half for the Bears defense. And then I had Pittsburgh money line on Saturday, and they got absolutely demolished in the second half by that Colts run game, especially on Indianapolis's what? Second to last. That was painful to watch. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of injuries for Pittsburgh defensively, and we'll get into the line movement again with the Steelers and the Bengals. But for me, still a pretty good year, 37-19-1 overall. So 1-3 in Week 15, not a good week at all 
But if you want to either tail us or fade us in week 16, be sure to use the BetMGM promo code, the lines. That's the lines one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses and again, Bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. If you want to get our bets in real time, you can get those in our Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. And for our audio-only audience, Mo, we're going to break down the Monday Night Football game tonight as we're recording this on December 18th with the Eagles at Seahawks. Total of 45, Philly favored by 3.5. This line was as low as 3 on Sunday with the news that Jalen Hurts could miss the game with an illness. It's reportedly not the flu, but flu-like symptoms. So make that whatever you will. But it seems like he's going to play as of reports on Monday. Geno Smith, probably out. That's what the reports gear towards. Groin injury for him, so that would mean Drew Locke making his second straight start. Darius Slay is out for the Eagles, along with Zach Cunningham, so that means you have Darius Leonard replacing Cunningham, and their linebacker coverage has been pretty bad overall this season, so you could downgrade it even more with Leonard in, even though historically he's been good, obviously an aging player at this point. And then at corner, you have Ringo and Bradley Roby now. Roby at nickelback pushing Bradbury out to the outside cornerback position with Slay out. Devon Witherspoon is also questionable, along with Jamal Adams in the Seahawks secondary. So all these injuries, Mo, any lean or potential bets for you on Seahawks and Eagles? Are you staying away? I don't have anything, but sounds like maybe we should be thinking about an over there. I mean, these passing games can get going at times, but anytime you need Drew Locke to score, uh, you're not feeling great. Um, Yeah, I, I... I kind of like the Eagles a little bit, but I it's just it's just a stay away for me. I think I liked them a little bit when it sounded like Locke was going to be in, and the line was still somehow three. But now that it's three and a half, I just no interest other than maybe an over with those injuries. Although, man, I, I, Darius Slay has been pretty meh this year. I I feel like him being out is just like whatever, probably maybe, but. Then you go to Rigo at <laughs> outside quarter and nickel coverage. I know Roby's a veteran, but I don't know, man. I'm considering betting Seattle at three and a half if Weatherspoon and Adams are a go. I'm also wondering if once the news comes out that Hurts is officially and if and when that does happen and then juxtaposed if Smith is ruled out officially, will this line bump up to four? I know the difference between three and a half and four is kind of minimal, but when you factor in your own power ratings of what you make a game, it makes a difference for sure. So I make this closer to three. I'm again, curious to see. And of course at the key number of three and a half or above the key number with the hook makes it more intriguing just with it being over a possession, not a full possession at a touchdown, but still. So I'm considering Seattle just depending on if the market makes even more of a dent once the news becomes official, because you wonder at this point if it's baked in and then Witherspoon and Adams, of course, those are two huge names to see if they end up playing or not. Witherspoon missed the entire week of practice. And even if Hertz is 75% with that explosive pass and attack with the Eagles receivers and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith going to be tough to stop them with at least Witherspoon out, even if Adams is a go. So, as we shift ahead to week 16, Mo, some of the biggest line movement, Thursday night football 
up from an opener of three, three and a half to LA minus four, total of 44 and a half. The Bengals pick them to minus two and a half at Pittsburgh. Mason Rudolph announced as the starter and for Mitchell Trubisky, no surprise there considering he got the last drive. Not sure why he maybe wasn't considered to actually start the game, but total of 38 and a half on the early Saturday afternoon game and then late Saturday afternoon. So Thursday night bills up for a minus 10 on the opener to minus 14. Now it's back down to minus 12 and a half as of Monday afternoon at the chargers total of 42 and a half. We'll touch on that game in a moment. Jags pick them minus one down a bit with Trevor Lawrence in concussion protocol at Tampa Bay total of 43 bears out for a minus three to minus four and a half against the Cardinals at home total of 44. 49ers, minus four and a half, minus five, out to minus five and a half against the Ravens, total of 45 and a half, 46. So as we start off with Saints at Rams, Mo, any initial thoughts there on Thursday night? Not too much on this one. Um, Maybe a lean to the Saints, I would say, but have to monitor what their pass catching core is going to look like here. Um, Obviously, this past weekend, Chris Olave ended up being kind of a late-ish scratch. I think he was like, maybe they started talking about him maybe being out on like Friday or Saturday, ended up missing the game. And they had another like pretty ugly, like if you just look at the way their pass catching distribution ended up, it just never gives you confidence when a running back is the leading receiver, right? Alvin Kamara, leading receiver. Obviously, Kamara is a talented receiver, but still, you just don't want a running back to be the top target on the team ever. So I, I think they really do need Olave back, um, spreading out the targets quite a bit in that game, uh, throwing to some guys that you just don't ever want to be throwing to in a serious game. I mean, rolled over the Giants, you know, but that's the Giants on the road, so... I've been on the Rams. You know this. I've been on the Rams three, four weeks in a row, whatever it is. I just keep pounding the Rams, and they just keep coming through for me. I'm wondering if this is maybe the spot to get off it. I mean, reduced home field advantage, obviously. And if the Saints play a solid, coherent football game, which is far from a given with the Saints, needless to say, I'm not sure there's multiple points between these teams. They had an an ugly injury report in the middle of last week. I, I think some of those guys ended up playing. So short week probably hurts them a little bit. But I'm looking at the Saints, but I, I don't know yet. Anytime the opposing team doesn't put pressure on the passer, I think the Rams should have success on offense. So maybe an over could be in play here as well, but... It's two teams that just kind of seem to scuffle a lot in the red zone, even though the stats are telling me the Rams are, are good in the red zone. But multiple weeks in a row now when I've had the Rams, some frustrating uh, fizzle outs, you know, deep in opposing territory. Kicked a field goal after they drove to the four on Washington first and goal this week. Uh, and then obviously a couple failures against the Rams that uh, the Ravens rather that that may have cost them that game. Um yeah, maybe maybe Saints, maybe over, but uh, have to see how things develop on the injury report this week. Yeah, New Orleans defensively only allowed 3.2 yards per play to the Giants in Week 15. But as you mentioned with injuries, it's not just for the Saints at receiver. Marcus May, Marshawn Lattimore, both 
expected to be out, I believe, and already ruled out considering injured reserve. And then for the Rams at corner, Witherspoon, their number two cornerback, sustained a groin injury. His status questionable, especially on a short week. But going back to the Rams offense, since Matt Stafford returned against Seattle in week 11, they ranked top six in both EPA per dropback and passing success rate. And then you factor in Kyron Williams came back the following week against the Cardinals. So yeah, in a short week, I don't trust the Saints defense with all those injuries, especially in the secondary. Maybe the Rams offense gets right in the red zone. I go back to that the odds to make the playoffs that I mentioned last week before the Rams and Commanders game that you cashed in on LA at. I think the path is there for the Rams at this point. I think they have one of the wild card spots. We'll see. Well, they have the upper hand on Seattle. This is Rams or pass for me, just with the Saints defensive injuries, especially in the secondary. And like you mentioned, they can't get after the passer. So their market rating may be honestly a little bit inflated, at least what it was on the opener. I think this opened at a flat three. So with a key number of a field goal after they trucked the Giants. But you go from facing Tommy DeVito, even though he had some Italian magic on Monday night against the Packers a couple weeks ago, to now facing this Rams offense, this version of the Rams offense, Again, stay away or bet the Rams, but probably stay away from me either way. So on to Saturday night. Speaking of coaching changes, or one we didn't mention with the Eagles, they replaced Sean Desai with Matt Patricia, former Patriots defensive coordinator. I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make in the short or long term, but the Chargers also made a head coaching move. This one may have a little bit more of an impact just in terms of motivation for L.A., or considering they had zero, zero motivation on Thursday night against the Raiders, they go from Brandon Staley to Giff Smith. Sounds like a made-up coach in Madden, but he is the Chargers coach on Saturday night against Buffalo. Bills outgaining the Cowboys in a dominant fashion by a full 2.0 yards per play, winning by 21 in the probably the marquee matchup in Week 15, but didn't seem like it, at least on the scoreboard. Buffalo trouncing that Cowboys defense on the ground. Josh Allen with, I think, just over 100 yards passing. So I think James Cook. Maybe less. <laughs> yeah, it might have been less. 95. If you told me Dak Prescott and Josh Allen put out those passing outputs, I would probably say Cowboys win just on the, on the surface. But James Cook, and we mentioned this going back to last week, Buffalo had the advantage with their rushing offense and how poor the Cowboys' run defense has been throughout the season. And then also Zach Martin going down on the Cowboys' offensive line. Definitely a concern. A little bit of market movement towards the Cowboys for their big Week 16 matchup in Miami. But as we touch on this game and as it relates to the Bills and the Chargers, Keenan Allen, we don't know what his status is going to be after missing Thursday night. Although, if Justin Herbert did play, and maybe there wasn't some animosity towards Brandon Staley. You wonder if it was a go. I don't think that's as far-fetched as it may seem, just surface level. And we know how much the Chargers offense runs through Keenan Allen. Entering week 15, first read target share. Keenan Allen ranked third among receivers, qualified receivers. A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore tied for first. 
than Keenan Allen with a 39.7% first three target share. And without Mike Williams, Chargers passing attack and offense in general completely ran through Allen. So if he's a go, even with Easton stick at quarterback, maybe a little bit of look towards the Chargers, although I would probably have had to consider them a little bit more closely at plus 14 rather than plus 12. But motivational spot for you with the Chargers or on the flip side, motivational spot with Buffalo trying to fight for their playoff lives and maybe just overall talent level too. What do you make of this one now? Well, that's for sure. Uh, motivational spot. I, I do lean more towards the chargers to be honest. Uh, it does kind of seem like a flat spot for the bills. I mean, coming off multiple huge wins. Now they're traveling cross country to play a bad team with a backup quarterback. Um, I have to admit that I had to Google who the Chargers coach is. I had no idea either. Hadn't seen that name at all, and I still basically have no idea. All I've seen is the name. Um, I do think maybe the Bills are a little bit overvalued right now. I, I did see a power rating that had them as the second best team. Um, that's a market power rating, so not anything objective or subjective, rather. But I don't know what to make of this game, man. I mean, I have absolutely no idea what to make of this game. I don't know how anybody could. I mean, I, I don't know what to make of last week. I mean, you had a Chargers team that was in a spot where they were three-point dogs, and they lose by 50. I mean, uh, did the team just flat-out quit on Brandon Staley? I don't know. Or was that just one of those games that – I mean, I know he said, like, okay, these games happen in the NFL. I mean, that's obviously an exaggeration. Teams don't regularly lose by 50, but <laughs> games where, like – a fumble here and another fumble there. All of a sudden you're buried 21 nil and you're in a negative game script and everything just goes off the rip. Those games do happen. I mean, usually they end up being, you know, 37 to 10 and not 63 to 14, but that, that part I, I agree with that. Sometimes those games do go off the rails and it doesn't like show you the real value of the team. I mean, Easton Stick, like, he has completed passes. Like, it didn't even really ever seem like he had a chance against the Raiders. It was like he came in, fumble, touchdown, fumble, touchdown. Like I said, it's 21-0, and he's not even in a real football game anymore. Um, even, like, that pick six was just like, that was like a scripted play, right? Like, he's just supposed to look over and immediately throw it, and some guy read it, and nobody touched him. That's not even his fault, you know? Like, I I know people are going to rush to to fade Easton Stick. I, I don't even know what to think of him. Like I don't even think you can get a read off that game of any sort. And then, um, yeah, the Bills obviously played like a really odd game too, where they just slammed into the line thirty times and they ran for two hundred and seventy yards against the Cowboys. But is that repeatable at all? I don't know. You know, it, it, probably not. But maybe against the Chargers team that's just checked out, it could be. So. I don't know what to think of this game other than honestly, the only thing I maybe lean towards would be over 42 and a half here. It does seem a little low if Easton stick can move the ball. Um, and we know the bills should score some points. I mean, they pretty much do it every week. So uh, on the low side for a bills total in general and not facing a particularly good defense. I do wonder if, we could see something like, you know, 31-14, 31-17 type of game. Uh, that that does go over this low, pretty low total. Yeah, I, I would say it was inflated at 14. 11 and a half, 12. I think market consensus right now is around 12 and a half. So no real edge for me there. But I think motivationally, if I had to lean, 
I would probably say Chargers come out with a little bit more fire, but also you need Keenan Allen on the field just to make Easton stick more comfortable. And while the Chargers defense has been pretty putrid overall, you, I mean, I would guess that they come out with a little more effort. <laughs> I mean, Staley has not been able to fix this defense over the last three years. So long time coming for the Chargers to make the change and probably make the change at GM too. Just, I think the overall consensus, and this was touched on ad nauseum throughout the weekend, but that the Chargers were talented, the depth on this team without a guy like Mike Williams. And then you factor in Keenan Allen missing time. I, I still kind of veer towards that. The 12 and a half is a bit over the top, but just considering it did open at 10 and I consider 10, 11, just per my numbers to be closer to fair. That said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to bet this or touch it if Allen is out. So a lot to monitor throughout the week with these first couple games that we're touching on. But on to another game that is very injury-plagued. Late Sunday afternoon, Jags at Bucks. Tampa Bay was right there. Or actually, Jacksonville was right there with Baltimore in yards per play on Sunday night, 5.7 to 5.5. So Ravens marginally outgain the Jaguars in yards per play, but... Like I mentioned, Jacksonville failed to convert inside the Baltimore 40-yard line and agreed just fumble by Trevor Lawrence, so you at least should have gotten three points. Think on their third or fourth possession, and then if you spike the ball, you probably get points before the half, and then who knows what happens. But Lamar Jackson did outplay Lawrence, and we'll get into the Ravens in a bit just in terms of the MVP conversation because that gears more towards Monday night. But either way, Jaguars offense struggled in the second half. And then the Bucks, as you mentioned, Mayfield with one of his best, if not his best, career performance against Green Bay. Tampa Bay outgaining the Packers in yards per play, 7.5 to 5.5 yards per play. Mayfield with 10.7 yards per pass attempt. Jacksonville's offense, I know the Bucks are banged up, but with Ridley playing on the outside, not having Christian Kirk on the outside to put Ridley back in the slot, Zay Jones is banged up. Who knows if he's going to play in that Lawrence in concussion protocol, Tyson Campbell and Andre Sisco. Both of those guys could be out in the Jaguars secondary. So I know, again, the Bucs defense is also has a few concerning injuries, most notably Carlton Davis. But any initial takes here in Jags box, Mel? I mean, I feel like this is this could be a pretty great buy low, sell high spot to take the Jags. I mean, huge move, like you said. Jags were... Minus two and a half, minus three favorites uh, when these markets opened last week. But with Trevor Lawrence and concussion protocol, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, it can be hard to get out of there in a week. We have seen people do it. If he can do it, I, I do think I like the Jags here. Provided his brains aren't too scrambled. We have seen some quarterbacks come back and really struggle at times. Even like Brock Purdy earlier this year played his worst football of the year after he was in the concussion protocol. So whether that had to do with his supporting cast or potential lingering effects, we don't know. Obviously they had lost some players in those spots. Yeah. The bucks, they play a great game against the Packers, you know, hats off. I did not see that one coming for sure. I definitely, I, I thought about betting the Packers. I mean, I'm glad I didn't. Um, can they do it again? I don't know. I mean, we're still talking about a team that is a week removed from getting absolutely dominated by the Falcons. I mean, they were so lucky to escape with a win in that game, outgained by two yards per play. And 
you have a Jags team that, like we said, they left a million points on the field on mostly spots that were just like not super predictive, you know, two long missed field goals, which whatever that can be predictive if the kicker is either bad or there's bad weather, which there was, but, um, you know, no guarantee there will be bad weather, uh, here. So probably can just put that one aside. And then you have a touchdown that was called back, which I think pretty much everyone that was watching thought that was going to be a touchdown. I mean, the, the booth refs like never disagree with these guys on the field. And Terry McCauley was like, yeah, he's, he's down knee down, but in the air has not touched the white yet. This should be a touchdown, you know, and then they just come back, play stands, which whatever. But I mean, should have just been caught clean in the first place probably, but I, it did get tipped. So maybe we can give a little leeway there, but yeah, that, that should have been a touchdown, uh, fumbled, which, you know, Trevor Lawrence has had fumbling problem, but he wasn't even touched on that play. Like these were insane situations not to score. And then the end of half gaff, we've seen it happen before. Saw it with the Chiefs, obviously, most notably against the Bengals in the playoffs. It was just poor clock management by the Jaguars. But, yeah, it was just incredible that they came out of all these drives without points. Uh, obviously played better than the final score indicated. I mean, lower body injury-wise, like, Trevor Lawrence looks fine. I mean, he's moving here and there. He did miss some throws further downfield, but I don't think that was injury-related. We do see that with him at times in general. So, uh, yeah, but like you said, man, the wide receiver situation is looking pretty rough for the Jaguars S relying on something Parker Washington and something called Elijah cooks. That's a player I've never seen before. Uh, so don't know who that is. Um, he was playing snaps late in the game. Yeah, it's not good. And we saw another poor performance. I touched on this a little bit when we initially talked about that, uh, Ravens Jaguars game. Calvin Ridley's inefficiency at times when he has to play outside. I mean, we saw it again here, 12 targets, five catches. I mean, it's just not what you want off 12 targets, right? And then, you know, should have had more. But even still, even with that one, even if that one in the back of the end zone was – like you're still talking about like 70 yards or whatever it is on 12 targets. And that, that's just not not what you want. So definitely worried about that situation with Zay – going down I mean even if he doesn't contribute a lot to the box score they really need him to be running those outside routes because he is capable and then uh yeah it, it's just it's just a mash unit at this point you know and on the other side of the ball though <laughs> you have a coaching staff that they had success running the ball against the Packers because we know that the Packers can't stop the run I mean We've seen the Chiefs, the Giants, Bulldoze, this front line the past couple of weeks. The Bucks, who stink at running the ball, are able to get, you know, 80 yards out of Rashad White. I just know they're going to come in and plunge into the line in a spot where it's not going to work as well as it did against Green Bay, theoretically. So uh, that'll put them a little bit more behind the eight ball than they were maybe in this game against Green Bay when everything was just clicking on their offense. Yeah, looking at Jacksonville's run D overall this season, I mean, they've struggled about midway through to the back half of the season, ranking bottom 13, it looks like, in both EPA per carry allowed and rushing success rate overall this season. Not that big of a difference, but 
yeah, I mean, the Bucks were able to exploit the Packers defensively, their biggest flaw. Can they, we'll see if Jacksonville's secondary is a bit healthier. I would say Jacksonville's a healthy Jaguar secondary is a little bit more sustainable in terms of being able to limit Baker Mayfield than the Packers showed on Sunday for sure. But yeah, I mean, you look at Jacksonville's run defense collectively, number 19 in EPA per carry allowed this season overall, not just since the midway point and onward. Capping it off, I probably am not going to play on this game, even with a buy-low opportunity on the Jags offense. I'm kind of more intrigued to fade Indianapolis, and I know some people may be inclined to back the Colts to win the AFC South at this point, even though the Jags have some tiebreakers going 2-0 against Indy this season, and the Texans certainly aren't out of the mix either. But I think the Colts are inflated in the market. It may not necessarily show up with week 16 against the Falcons. I think they're around two point favorites on the road, but the Colts have had their fair share of one possession wins and they faced a banged up Steelers defense. That was even more banged up midway through the game. And to finish it off, obviously they had the personal foul and then Fitzpatrick was out midway through the game. So I'm kind of intrigued by the Falcons this week against Indy, but maybe the Raiders on the road at Indianapolis in week 17. And then you have the Texans to wrap it up in Indianapolis in the season finale, which could wind up deciding the division. Who knows? But yeah, I think I'm more apt to fade the Colts down the stretch than definitely the Texans if they get dropped back against the Browns. And we've noted the difference between Cleveland's defense at home versus on the road. And then I'm probably just not going to touch Jacksonville, at least in week 16. But to wrap it up, a huge Monday nighter between the Ravens and the 49ers we mentioned earlier, San Francisco right around a five and a half point home favorite, which makes them about four on a neutral, depending on how much home field advantage you want to give San Francisco. MVP race could be decided in this game as well. Brock Purdy minus 190, Lamar Jackson plus 500. Both of those prices are their best odds. And you could probably shop over at thelines.com. Are you going to bet this game out? Do you have a potential play in this one? Or even at least the notion that if you like the Ravens on the money line to bet Lamar MVP? Or do you still think the race is kind of wide open in, in that market? I don't think the race is that wide open. I think Purdy probably has a pretty big lead at this point. Um, I don't buy into Lamar Jackson MVP odds whatsoever, to be honest. I mean, he didn't really... I know you're maybe thinking that he played a pretty good game against the, I, I thought he got pretty lucky in a few. I mean, he threw up that jump ball, Chris Collinsworth creaming himself for five minutes over a moon ball into double coverage that his guy came down with. I mean, nice play by the receiver. I but, mean, he escaped a sack. Yeah, like, sure. Be, but that, that wasn't a good decision. Glor- that wasn't a good decision. I mean, Mahomes makes that play too. He would throw it to someone who was wide open. That's what he okay. does. Okay. All right. I'll let you continue to hinder Jackson's. I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record on this one, but I kind of like the over again. I This is two offenses that can score. And I've been skeptical of this 49ers defense. And we saw once again, not that great performance. I mean, the Cardinals 6.1 yards per play. I, I think a lot of injuries to monitor, obviously, Tavarius Ward went, which I was not expecting. And then I, I think he had a pick six. <laughs> um, uh, Nick Bosa got banged up. I, he says he's fine. So we'll see how that plays out. 
Uh, but yeah, you had uh, Hargrave and Armstead both miss the game. Um, you have a Ravens offense, though. Unfortunately, that did lose a dynamic running back in Keaton Mitchell. They they can you know they they, they do fine handing to Gus Edwards and Justice Hill and even Lamar Jackson. You know is running for you know five, ten, fifteen yards here and there. He's not ripping off the thirty yard runs he used to nowadays. But I, I think they can have success. I just don't know. I just don't know about any big plays here without Keaton. He definitely seemed to be their home run hitter type of guy. Uh, and you do have a mobile quarterback who can escape pressure here, which is what I talked about, why I kind of like the Cardinals. Unfortunately, their defense got completely steamrolled by the Niners. Um, but then obviously, I don't even think we need to talk about the Niners offense. Nobody can stop them. And the total is not that high. It's still 46. It's like on the high-ish side by 2023 standards. But with these offenses, uh, we could see some points. It should be good conditions. You know, San Francisco not known for uh, having bad weather. So I do kind of like the over. On on the spread, I think 49ers are past, but it looks about right to me. I mean, it's such a it's such a spot that favors the Niners, though. If you just look at we talked about it several times in, in this season. Like these cross conference games, they can be a little bit sleepy. I, I know that shouldn't be because it's a marquee game between two, you know, top tops. But but like the Ravens can can lose this game. Like this is just like an irrelevant game for them. I mean, you want to get the one seed. I think they're like, are they in any danger of losing that? I mean, they should be huge favorites for that at this point. I, two games up on the Chiefs, unless I'm misremembering. And, they're minus 200, but if you lose, and obviously they're going to be favorites at home against the Dolphins in week 17, but if you lose these next two games, Kansas City could sneak into that. Yeah, one for sure. It would, it would take or multiple Miami. losses. Yeah, it would take multiple losses. That's what I was getting at. That's why like, they, they can't afford to lose this game. I mean, 49ers, they still need to keep winning. They need, they need to stay ahead of the Eagles for the one seed. Uh, maybe that changes, though. Obviously, you talked about Monday night already. The Eagles do play tonight. They lose this game. Maybe both teams could afford to lose. So I don't know. I'm not saying like anybody's going to be, you know, absolute sleepwalking like we've seen at times in these games. But we have seen teams flop in these cross conference games multiple times. We saw one with the Cowboys. We talked about it uh, <clears throat> with some of these other games earlier in the season. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys just came out flat, didn't play a good game against the Bills. But overall, I think this line's probably about right. I think the Niners are probably, you know, three and a half, four points better than the Ravens. I don't put the Ravens in the class of the 49ers. I don't even put them above, you know, the Chiefs, Cowboys, and uh, Bills. But it's close. Niners probably multiple points better than everybody, to be honest. So I think... This line is probably about right, but yeah, I am interested in the over. I do think both teams can score some points here. What most concerns me about Baltimore in this game is it's not Lamar going up against that 49ers defense. And like you said, multiple injuries, kind of the theme of this show with Armstead and Hargrave potentially back, but who knows? Lenore also got hurt, the 49ers number two corner against the Cardinals. So even with Ward back, if Lenore is out, also, one thing we haven't talked about in the last few weeks is Odell Beckham Jr. I know he didn't have, I don't think he, maybe he had one explosive play, but he looks back. 
which we saw going back to a couple seasons ago or a few seasons ago with the Rams on their way to winning a Super Bowl. I know he got hurt in the big game against the Bengals, but he got healthy down the stretch for LA and it looks to be the same case. Now, the Ravens' biggest defensive liability against Jacksonville, which hasn't been the case for much of the season, was against the run, and that may not show up on paper, but ranking about league average in EPA per carry allowed in week 15, once the game got out of hand, then Baltimore knew what Jacksonville was doing, dropping back, and like we both touched on, Lawrence's inefficiency has kind of plagued him, not only this season, but in his career, whether the concussion played a role or not, but... 49ers have one of the best zone rushing schemes in the NFL. Baltimore has that scheme as well, but offensive line has been a bit banged up, especially with Ronnie Stanley, even though he's kind of been ineffective at times this year, dealing with that knee injury. Now he has the concussion. So who knows if he goes also in the Ravens secondary, Marcus Williams dealing with a groin injury. And then in their backfield, Keaton Mitchell season ending knee injury. And he's the most explosive running back by far. And not that yards per carry is the end all be all, but especially because we look at more advanced metrics Mitchell was averaging around seven, eight yards per carry this season. Like it's a pretty stark drop off from him to Gus Edwards, even with Justice Hill, who's definitely quicker than Edwards. But I'm a little concerned with Baltimore's defense in this game. Granted, I think my initial point still stands. If you like the Ravens on the money line, I'm not saying you should or would. But if you do, I think Lamar Jackson, it would take Really poor quarterback performances on both sides of the ball for Purdy to either not lock up the MVP on Monday night just because it's a primetime game going up against the guy with the second shortest odds or like a 13 to 10 Ravens win where Jackson throws, I don't know, two or three picks for Lamar to really be win this game and not have similar, if not leapfrog Purdy in the NFL MVP betting market. So maybe we're on opposite sides of the stick there. I'm not saying I'm betting Baltimore on the money line. I don't know even know if I'm going to touch the Ravens on the spread, but I still kind of think if the Ravens win this game, the likelihood of Lamar winning MVP, probably close to 45 or 50%. I think it would take a lot for the Ravens to win this game and Lamar play poorly. Still in the cards, but that's just my takeaway, or at least premise going into this one now. I, I just think at the end of the day, I mean, MVP award is a lot driven by numbers, and Lamar simply does not have the numbers this year. Like, he has not produced that many, you know, <clears throat> stats that some of these other guys have. I know a lot of people don't want to give Brock Purdy credit, but. Like I said, I think a lot of voters look at the numbers at the end of the day and they're still going to vote for Purdy. I mean, because he is going to have by far the most impressive numbers. I mean, it's not going to be very close and the 49ers are very likely to be the one seed, no worse than the number two seed. And there's definitely a perception that the Ravens success, even though I personally am very skeptical of their defense, but at the end of the day, this defense has given up the least points in the NFL, I think, or close to it. So... I think, uh, you know, there's definitely a perception that the defense has done a lot of the heavy lifting. But like I said, I'm off that, and I think both of these defenses are pretty overrated. So I'm interested in the over here because I like these offenses more than these defenses. Not that I agree with this notion either, but couldn't you say, if you're going to say voters make credit Baltimore's defense, you could easily say that the voters could feel the same way about McCaffrey 
And I'm not saying they would split the votes between Purdy and McCaffrey, but just that same concept of giving credit to either another player or another unit. I mean, yeah, everyone knows how good of a situation Brock Purdy is in. Like, it's very obvious, right? But like I said, the bottom line numbers drive a lot of the voting, and that's just the way it works, you know? A couple years ago, like, it was arguable that Tom Brady might have had a better season than Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, touchdown to interception ratio, all that type of thing. I mean, these were all in Rodgers' favor. Green Bay was the number one seed, and he won very easily. I don't even think it was close. And... Uh, you know, it's just, we know that people are just going to vote for the quarterback. Like I, I, do I think Christian McCaffrey deserves more credit? Yeah, probably. I mean, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. These people are all massive drivers of Brock Purdy's success, but you know, when the 49ers are sitting there with 13 wins at the end of the season and Brock Purdy is off in the top corner of the little chart, like he is right now, you can't even see him. He's breaking the scale you know, of all the charts people post on Twitter, and people are just going to vote for Brock Purdy. I'm not saying that I think he's, you know, in the type of type of class of player that Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and even like Lamar Jackson is, because I don't have any idea until I see him, you know, outside of Daddy Shanahan's, you know, safe haven. But you may never see it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, but. I just think at the end of the day, that's where people are going to vote. Yeah, you look at some metrics like expected points added plus completion percentage over expected composite ranking overall this season. Purdy right there near the top and Jackson behind him. You look at some traditional metrics. Maybe this isn't necessarily traditional, but touchdown percentage. Purdy, number one, it's 7%. I think that's passing percentage for touchdowns, though. And Jackson not right there if I think he's around 4.2%. Yeah. So not that that means that Purdy should win MVP passing success rate Purdy 56.3% this season, Prescott and Allen right behind him back to back primetime wins. If Jackson gets it done, I still wouldn't be shocked if Jackson is maybe the race is around minus one ten both ways. If, Lamar pulls off the win. And then if the Ravens get the one seed and win out. So quarterback wins is not even close to a stat that should matter for NFL MVP. But just but by the way, some of these voters. That's the world we're living in, though. I'm not saying. Right. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I would rather have. You know, I'm a noted Lamar Jackson skeptic. I am not a big fan of Lamar Jackson. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I would pick Brock Purdy over him. If you made me, you know, pick a team for a game for my life tomorrow, I'd, I'd probably pick Lamar Jackson, but that's just, that's just, that's not what drives these votes. You know, these guys are going to look at 49ers, you know, 14 and three, whatever they are. And they're going to look at 49ers top of the board in literally every single offensive metric. And they're just going to write Brock Purdy's name and probably not even think more than 45 seconds about it. Then you look at head to head and, Voters looking at head to head after 49ers Ravens, not saying either of us are saying that's the way it should go. But if the Ravens knock off San Francisco and in turn, Jackson knocks off Purdy, even though that's not the way the NFL goes, then that's kind of my point too. quarterback wins. Shouldn't matter. Will it matter? Probably. And again, I wouldn't be shocked if Jackson wins the MVP. So that's just my 
perspective going into this that I would probably, if I was going to bet Baltimore, I'd probably, at least on the money line, I'd probably rather bet Jackson to win the MVP just based off the two prices, even with implied probability in mind. I don't think Josh Allen or it would take the Ravens losing outright back-to-back weeks to end the season after knocking off San Francisco for Jackson to lose the MVP. At least that's just my take. I know you kind of have a different perspective on it. So that's going to do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number, breaking down four games, looking at Ravens, Niners, Jags, Bucks, Bills, Chargers, and Rams and Saints. Be sure to check back with us on Thursday for the final edition of the week of Beat the Closing Number, breaking down our best bets for week 16. Remember that you can get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets with BetMGM Sportsbook using promo code THELINES, one word, up to $1,500 back if your first bet loses. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. You can check out our best bets in real time by subscribing in the rules section of the Lines Discord. Link is at the top right-hand corner of thelines.com. Most survivor guide, I believe, is up by the time you're either listening to this or watching this if you're still alive in your survivor pools. Mo, any last words before we get out of here? Uh, only thing I want to say is I'll ask you the same thing I asked the Discord. When am I allowed to start getting excited about my Bills futures? Before they lose outright to the Chargers on Saturday night. <laughs> They're not going to lose. Come on. We both know how it works in that and that. The least expected things happen. And when you have a coach named Giff Smith, sounds like an upset. Then and Keaton Allen goes... Then I'm definitely not going to get excited if they lose to the Chargers, but I'm starting to feel pretty good. Some good results for the Bills this weekend. Uh, Bengals yeah. lose, Broncos, or Bengals win, but Broncos lose and, and Pittsburgh loses. If if Bengals would have lost, which, quick aside, that was a frustrating one for me as a Bills future, but they should have lost. The Vikings outplayed them. That was a tough one. But I st- the Bengals have a really tough schedule down the stretch, man. They have to play the Chiefs still. I don't know. I-, I feel I feel pretty good about the Bills right now. I still feel good about my Ravens ticket, even though the Keaton Mitchell injury doesn't make me feel good about their backfield prospects as much. Of course, you have one of the best, if not the best, dual threat quarterback in the league. But yeah, at least the injuries haven't been worse. You've had Jackson miss consecutive Decembers and intern the playoffs or missing the playoffs over the last couple of years. So at least your quarterback is healthier and they actually have not had a quarterback injury this year compared to the other AFC North teams. So fortunate in that sense, but yeah, both of us have some futures tickets still alive. I wonder if the chargers come out all kinds of fired up and end up playing for the made up coach on Saturday night. We'll see either way. Again, I think that spread is kind of inflated, but Be sure to check back with us on the Thursday edition of Beat the Closing Number to see if either of us have a bet on Chargers and Bills. Until then, thanks for watching and listening. You can follow Mo on Twitter, on X, Twitter, at MoNoir2Ws. Follow me at Eli Herskovich. Follow the lines at the lines US. We'll check back with you on Thursday. So long, everybody.